1: Could John
2: the Baptist not have fulfilled God's plan for his life? Could he have chosen and said, no, I'm an alcoholic guy. I love drinking. I'm not going to follow that. Could he have actually said, you want me to go what? In the wilderness and be a forerunner for Christ? My message is repent, not a chance. Could he have not fulfilled God's plan? Yes, he could have. Could Jesus not have fulfilled God's plan? Because all the time we hear Jesus say, if it's your will, I will. So see, even though God's plan for you is set, you can go outside it. Dangerous to go outside it.
0: You probably know someone who is what you considered a strong Christian at one time, but isn't anymore. When you see them, maybe they try to avoid you, or instead, they want to tell you how good life is now that they've gotten rid of all of that God stuff. They had an opportunity to follow God's will for their lives or not. Just like your friend... The people in the story of the coming of Jesus have choices to make too. Pastor Mark will teach you why doing things God's way is so much better for you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Luke chapter 1 as he continues his message when God rearranges your plans.
2: In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron, so she also had a priestly lineage. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly, but they had no children. Two reasons. One, because Elizabeth was barren, and two, because they were well along in years. So we're introduced to this priest called Zechariah. His name means the Lord remembers. He was one of about, we know from history, Jewish history, about 20,000 Jewish priests at the time they were divided into 24 teams that would go to the temple and they would serve twice a year doing different things in the temple for a week-long period. His wife, as I said, both of them were older, somewhere probably in the area of 70 years old. She had been somewhere, we don't know exactly, been barren all her life. Very difficult in the Jewish culture because being barren was kind of like A curse of God. So they're older. They have no children. I came across something this week, speaking of those of us that are getting older. By the way, that's all of you. It said this. Birthdays are good for you. The more you have, the longer you live. Think about that. That's very profound. Notice it says, the Bible says, they had a godly Reputation. Now, blameless doesn't mean they were sinless. It means they were faithful to God. And when they did sin, they immediately asked God to forgive them. So here's this wonderful godly couple. And Zechariah was this priest. And you're going to see in this next passage one event. Would change their life forever. God would rearrange their life in one event forever. Look at verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, so they're there in Jerusalem for a week long, he was serving as priest before God. And he was chosen by lot or by a random throwing of the lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And while the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So if you're a man, here you are, Zechariah. You've been waiting all your life for this. We know from history that a priest, if he ever got to go in and burn incense, it was once in his lifetime. Many priests probably never even got a chance because there were so many priests. So... To this godly man like Zechariah, this would be a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He no doubt had wondered before, what would this be like? What would it be like to go in and do this? Well, on this day, Zechariah prayed for that blessing, but certainly hadn't planned it. And suddenly the lot is cast, and by chance, Zechariah is chosen. I'm waiting for some kind of a reaction. By chance? Is this like odds three to one from Vegas? By the way, a Christian, there are no chances. Nothing happens by whoops, accident from God. This is directed by God. And so, as he goes in, and he does this, outside is Elizabeth and all the other Jewish people. They're praying during this time, and the incense would have been burned morning and evening. We don't know which time this was. And he goes in. This entrance in, for the very first time, is going to rearrange his life forever. Now as he would go in, he, he would kneel down, and he'd begin praying and offering the incense. As he began doing that, he was praying, he would look up, and there would be a visitor. That would change his life forever. Look at verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Now, guys, you're Zachariah. How would you respond? Hey, bro, good to see you, man. This is cool. You think so? I don't think so. This is supernatural. You say, Pastor Mark, do you really believe there's angels? Yes. We live in a supernatural world. We live in a spirit world. There are two forces inside this room here in Melbourne. There are two forces inside that school auditorium in Vieira. It's the force of God, the spirit of God, and the spirit of Satan through demons. Do you know that they're in this room battling right now? Now we don't promote that, we don't dwell on that, but it's true. So in this room, Satan is here saying to some of you right now, go on sleeping, it's okay, he can't see you. (laughs) No, what will happen at the end of the service, the Satan will say to you, oh, nice words, but no need to change today. But God is saying to you on the other shoulder, no, no, he's speaking to you. It's right to you. It's exactly to you. So we have this supernatural world, and of course, you know the reaction of Zechariah. It's the same reaction you and I would have. He says, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. I'll come back to that in a moment. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you're to give him the name John. John. So second thing I want you to write is this don't be afraid when God rearranges your plans remember that God does all things well his surprises are to be expected and cherished can you imagine Zechariah went in he thought the most incredible thing that could ever happen to him was to watch God be pleased with the offering and the sacrifices and the incense. But more than that, an angel comes. You see, serving God and watching Him change our plans is exciting. Now, notice I said, the angel said, Your prayer has been heard. Now, there's two things that could be. I'll give you both of them. It could be that he's speaking about the prayer that Zechariah and Elizabeth have been praying for a son. That could be. I personally think they gave that prayer up many years ago because it was past physical possibilities. What would the other prayer be that the priest would be praying? What prayer did... A priest pray in those days when he was in there he's representing israel what prayer would a priest pray in those days two one for the safety of the nation of israel because they're under who rome they're looking for someone to bring them peace what was the second prayer that always was part of the priest prayer who were they praying to come the messiah That God send us your promised Messiah. Now, one of those two prayers is what he's speaking about. But what you're going to see is God's going to answer. We don't know which one. Again, I give you my feeling. doesn't matter. But I think what you're going to see is God's going to answer too. So the angel comes through and he says, Actually, I'm going to give you two pieces of good news. They're going to fit together like a glove. Number one, he says, A son will be born to Elizabeth. You're going to name him John. So no ultrasound needed. Don't need a book of a thousand common names. (laughs) He's a son. And he's going to be named John. After all these years, the timing was right for Elizabeth to bear a son. Maybe they had given up praying. Maybe they had given up even thinking that God's plan for them included children. But... All of a sudden, this principle that I'm going to give you is so pregnant in your life as well. God's delays are not God's denials. You see, our timing is strange because we don't know beginning to end. We don't know why God does certain things and does them in this way and that order. It could be in this service today that you're praying for something that God hasn't answered yet. Now, if God has said no to us, I don't continue to pray for that. But sometimes God just says, wait. Don't give up praying. Continue to pray persistently. Continue to pray expectantly. Because... Maybe in the heart of hearts, Elizabeth at 70 or 60 or 80 or whatever, had still been praying that we don't know. Don't give up on God. We talked about the wisdom of waiting on God and not get ahead of Him. One of the things I like about Zechariah and Elizabeth is this. You remember there was another couple in the Old Testament, Abraham and Sarah. God said, you will have a son promised him early, but it didn't come. What did they do? They worked their own plan. And that's why we have the Middle East problem today. Maybe you hear them and say, well, God's promised this is going to happen in my life. It isn't really coming into fruition right now. I'll kind of just work the plan myself. Don't do it. If this is God, and you've stepped out in front of Him, and you're leading your life and saying to God, come on, come on. Let me tell you, you're in trouble. You get back and let God lead. The world doesn't revolve around you or me. It revolves around God. You can't rearrange your plans outside of God and expect good things to happen. So if you're ahead of God, it's wise to wait on God. They waited. They were shocked that this could even happen. See, rearranging our plans by not waiting on God equals disaster. Next thing you want to write. God's timing is perfect. Patience is necessary. The longer you live, the more you understand that. The longer you live the more you understand that you can trust God's timing. It's not that He's late. It's not that He's early. That's our problem. His timing is always perfect. By the way, it's been about 400 years since Malachi, and God hasn't spoken to Israel. But the timing is coming. Look at verse 14. Not only will He be a boy, not only will His name be John, But the angel says he will be a joy and a delight to you. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. You're Elizabeth. And let's say you're 75. What do you think her reaction is going to be when hubby comes out and tells her? (laughs) Say what? 75? What about him? I mean, by the time the kid's through graduate school, he'll be 100. 100. Can you imagine changing diapers at 80? That's why we're grandparents, because we let the kids do that kind of stuff, and we can just send them home, right? But look at the detail from our God. He says His name is going to be John. He's going to be born exactly at the time that He needs to be born. And you're going to see in a moment, because He's going to be a forerunner of Christ. See, God's timing was perfect. It was all in order. There would have to be a forerunner of the runner. The runner. And if the forerunner comes, then the runner comes, then Israel will have their promised Messiah. You and I will have salvation, and the problems of the world can be solved by Jesus Christ. There's a sequence, it's ordered by God, it flows perfectly. We didn't know it, they didn't know it, but God knew it before the beginning. Notice, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So not only are Elizabeth and Zechariah going to have a son, but this son would be the forerunner of the Messiah. Not only bringing joy to his parents, but to the whole world. Well, we know this from Scripture. Hundreds of years before... God promised us in Isaiah 40, verse 3 and 4, look at this. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. You see, God had a plan all mapped out for John the Baptist. Notice what else. Malachi says this. Look. I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. What does this mean? You see, John the Baptist would come in the spirit of Elijah. Elijah in the Old Testament confronted sin in the nation of Israel. What did John the Baptist do? When he came, he said to the people of the nation of Israel, Repent. Repent. And so, the next thing I want you to write down, and I think this is so important in our lives. God has specific plans for each of our lives. One of the things that we get confused with is we start comparing ourselves against other people. We get this comparing because that's the kind of people we are today with the internet, whatever. Some of you, I've seen you at Sam's or Best Buy or whatever. You're looking at that 50-inch TV or whatever, HD, or should I get an LCD or whatever. And you're comparing all that stuff. And you're going, man, you've got sheets this long trying to figure out what to do. Well, we transfer that to people. So we begin looking at other people and going, you know what? I'm not really as talented as they are. So I guess God can't really use me. Well, let's stop and think. There was only one John the Baptist. And here's what... I have to remind myself quite often of this. There are about 300,000 churches in the United States. For sure, there's some pastors that aren't as good a speaker as I am. For really sure... There's a lot more that are way better than I am. So what am I going to do with that? I guess he can't do anything feel like. <laughs> I have to remind myself of that because sometimes I hear guys and go, "Oh, not in my wildest imagination could I be that way to be so useful." Then I hear the guys, other hear guys, and go, "Praise God!" I won't tell you who they are, whatever, because they're saying the same thing about me. Praise God, I'm not like that guy. So what about your life? No, God made you. Unique. Special. Gifted. As I watched those elephants, I kind of thought of that. One of the guys, actually those elephants also bowled. They did. They had big things. They bowled right there and they, woo, and they take that ball and roll it right down there. I thought it was interesting because they had by side by side. The one elephant over here is having a bad day. So this guy bowled and actually bowled in his lane to knock some of them down for him. I went, yeah, that's the body of Christ. The guy doesn't even know it. <laughs> you see, you're unique. We need all of you. When I, when I step onto this pope and another guy steps in, it's not a, bad, it's not a matter of better, it's different. And God uses all of us. None of us are perfect. So God had a specific plan for John the Baptist. He has a specific plan for your life. He has a specific plan here. I don't know what God's going to do, but it's specific and it's unique. Always, it circles around God. You're uniquely gifted by God. Don't compare yourself with other people. Stop it. Allow God to use you as you are. As Bruce comes on as an elder, he's different than the other elders. That's good. We need that. It's not a matter of better, medium, poor. That's crazy. Be who you are. Because God made you. You're special. Now, notice what happens. Can you imagine when when Zachariah's praying, The angel says, your prayer has been answered. He's thinking, the Messiah is coming. That's incredible. But God says, well, not only the Messiah, but you're going to have a son. That reminded me of the verse, Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do exceeding, abundant, more than we could ever ask or think. That's the way God is. You say, I'm afraid for God to change my plans. What is wrong with you? I mean, good things are going to happen. And so we have this incredible plan. Now notice what he said about John the Baptist. Look back at verse 15. This is special. He says, this is kind of the curfew already for John the Baptist. It's already set. He says, he is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Let me ask you two questions. Could John the Baptist... Not have fulfilled God's plan for his life? Could he have chosen and said, no, I'm an alcoholic guy. I love drinking. I'm not going to follow that. Could he have actually said, you want me to go what? In the wilderness and be a forerunner for Christ? My message is repent, not a chance. Could he have not fulfilled God's plan? Yes, he could have. Could Jesus not have fulfilled God's plan? Because all the time we hear Jesus say, if it's your will. I will. So see, even though God's plan for you is set, you can go outside it. Dangerous to go outside it. But notice what he says. He says, John the Baptist is going to have a Nazarite vow. He won't touch wine. His joy will not come from the bottle. That's a message that could preach. Do you know in this holiday season, people think joy comes from a bottle? No, no. Joy comes from the Lord. Actually, disaster comes from the bottle. Here's one thing that will never change. God will never change this plan. I want you to write it down. God's unchanging plan for all believers, just like John the Baptist, be filled with the Holy Spirit.
0: Today, Pastor Mark got into the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. You heard how Zechariah's reaction to the news he was given while understandable, still showed his lack of faith in God. Pastor Mark made the point that as you mature in your walk with Jesus, your experiences seeing God work in your life should be causing your faith to increase. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching when God rearranges your plans. He'll be talking about the importance of there being an orderly progression to having God's plans work out and how God puts things in place so His will can be done. He'll be reminding you, though, that it's still up to you to be obedient to God's will for His work to be done. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this special Christmas series. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a herd.